And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It's a coaching carousel edition because the carousel is spinning fast, even though it's only mid-October. And when we're talking coaching carousel, there's only one person that I'm calling, and that is Bruce Feldman, my coworker at The Athletic. You can hear him on the Audible with Stu and Bruce, with, uh, with the great Stuart Mandel. Bruce, been a little busy week for you. It has been a crazy week, Andy. Um, honestly, I don't know how surprising the two big moves that have happened really are. I think, it, you know, just from talking to people close to the situation at LSU late last week, it just seemed like it had been trending this way. And even with a win over your alma mater, uh, it wasn't going to change anything. And then the thing with Nick Rolovich that really blew up on, on Monday you know, I think people have been paying attention. I saw I was kind of heading this direction for a while. It's just now you have USC already open, which opened way earlier. You have Washington State, which has all sorts of issues it needs to it needs to resolve. I mean, they have half a staff right now. Wasn't just rolling yeah, to get yeah. run out of there. It was also the O line coach, the offensive coordinator, defensive line coach. You know, so it's just a lot. And obviously LSU and USC, those are just two huge jobs. And I think there may be some overlap on that side of it. Yeah, it's it's going to be a, a very weird situation at Washington State because they've got to figure out how to fill out a staff now. I'm guessing there's some promotions coming for GAs and, and analyst types. But you know, as far as the big jobs go, the like USC being open – it feels like LSU opening changes the dynamics of the USC opening because here's a job that is as good or better. And USC is now probably not the best job open this cycle. Yeah. I mean, look at it now. It's like the thing that USC has in its advantage is there is no Alabama in the back South, right? There's no Nick Saban there to, to deal with. The thing that I think it's got to work its way around is, LSU has spent a lot of money on coordinators in the past, and they've obviously spent a lot of money on coaches and resources. USC has spent some, but not to that degree. And I think, look, James Franklin is is a definite candidate for, for both jobs. I think they have to convince, if it's USC, you've got to convince James Franklin, hey, you, you know he's going to get paid. The question is, are you going to be able to pay the staff that he brings with him or hires the kind of money where it's not a big quality of life difference because, you know, $450,000 is a lot of money. And it's certainly a lot of money in state college, Pennsylvania. It doesn't go as far in Los Angeles, California. And so I think some of those things. It goes pretty far in Baton Rouge. Yes, it it does. And so I think those are things that that they're going to, 
like on the ADA USC has to, has to figure out. And, you know, look, there could be some overlap. We'll see how, you know, what Luke Fickle wants to do at Cincinnati. I mean, he's obviously doing a terrific job and that job has gotten better with the realignment, the way it's played out for Cincinnati going to the big 12 in the not too distant future. Um, We'll see what happens with Matt Campbell at Iowa State. He was a hot candidate earlier in the year. They're having a pretty good year, but you know, certainly not as good as some of us thought it was going to be. They have two big games, uh, not you know, coming up against Oklahoma, against Oklahoma State. You know, if he wins one of those, I think his name gets you know gets hotter again. If he wins both of them, it definitely gets hotter. But I think it's like where you know where are the candidates going to be these two big jobs come um, you know a month from. So Bruce, we've we've heard a lot of the the names that that could be out there for LSU. Uh, obviously, Franklin's going to come up for for USC and LSU. Uh, Lane Kiffin is one that'll come up for LSU. the The thing I keep wondering about Jimbo Fisher said he's he's is not happening. He plans on on serving out his contract at Texas A and M, which goes until twenty thirty one. And that was the guy Scott Woodward, the current LSU AD, hired at Texas A&M. But you wrote about the possibility of, of Scott Woodward taking a big, big swing in this in this search. That is right. On Sunday, not long after um, the, our story went up about who some of the candidates we think are going to be in play, uh, a source pretty close to Scott Woodward said, "Hey, you were missing a." you were missing a big name that, that he's probably going to take a big swing at. And that is Davo Sweeney. And I was like, whoa, seriously? And then we kind of had a more involved discussion about it. Now, look, Davo Sweeney, Jimbo has no buyout, by the way, as you know. Davo Sweeney right. buyout's only $3 million, which is re- very manageable. Now, the point I made to this other person was, why would Dabo leave? Obviously, Clemson's having a down year this year, but why would you leave Clemson? The way he's recruited, what he has built there, the facilities they have, and also the fact that you're basically able to recruit at like an elite SEC level and yet play ACC caliber competition. And to me, right. that struck me as, you know, why? And this person was like, I don't think he would leave. I, don't, I think it's just he's going to make him say no. You know, he's probably going to sell the idea of like, hey, what's going on with this alliance? Is it really going to do anything for for the ACC? It's you're in a different, you know, if you're in the SEC, that's where by far the top of the food chain is. And it's like, that's what you got to sell if you're going to try to make it happen. I My guess is it's probably not going to happen. But that was, a you know, an interesting twist in that from, again, it's somebody who's who's close to Scott Woodward knows how he operates and pointed that out. Now going from there, a name that I've heard a lot over the past weekend is Mel Tucker from Michigan state. What I'm told is a couple of really key people inside LSU or are enamored with him. He was a Nick Saban assistant at LSU. He obviously was on stage and also a defensive coordinator at Georgia. He knows the sec. Well, I just, you know, look, I could see why Mel Tucker would do it. I know it would be awkward for him because he obviously, you know, made an awkward move leaving CU after one year to go to Michigan State. Now, this season is the first time in three years that he's going to have a winning record. But I think anybody who's been around Mel Tucker thinks he's a big-time guy. And LSU is a bigger job than Michigan State. Obviously, that's the move Nick Saban made, whatever, 25 years ago. 
Yeah. So we'll see and, what, and what, what he reels in. When Mel left Colorado, it was a situation where you could not turn it down because they were doubling his salary. They were doubling his assistant coach salary pool. I don't think it would be that way this time because Michigan State can afford to pay. But it is a, a question of ceiling. And the, the ceiling at LSU is higher than it is at Michigan State. And so it, it last time was definitely a you-can't-turn-it-down situation. That might be a you can't turn it down situation, but but getting back to Sweeney, it's interesting because I think people are like, why would why would Scott Woodward waste his time on that? Here's why. I, I've actually talked to Scott Woodward about this. I talked to him about it when he was at A and M after he hired Jimbo Fisher, and he explained that his his philosophy on coaching searches changed when he was hiring Steve Sarkeesian's successor at Washington. And so, you know, his his first hire at Washington is after Ty Willingham goes 0-11. He hires Sarkeesian as a you know hot USC assistant and, and brings him up. And then Sarkeesian gets hired away by USC. And Woodward had been through the, the first search and thought, okay, well, I, I got to find the guys that, that sort of fit the profile here. And he's looking at Jim Mora, who was at UCLA at the time, and that's probably a parallel move for Mora at that time. He's looking at Justin Wilcox, who was the, the DC on Steve Sarkeesian's staff, who, of course, is now the, the head coach of Cal. And he's not really thinking about Amy any higher because he's like, okay, why would these guys be interested? Well, then he gets a call from Bennett Spire, who represents Chris Peterson. And Bennett says, Chris is ready to make the move to a Power 5 school. Washington fits the parameters of what he wants in one. Would you guys be interested? And Scott Woodward's like, uh, Yeah. And, and that's the end of the search. He gets the deal done. Chris Peterson's the head coach. And Scott Woodward decides, I'm never going to shortchange myself in a coaching search again. I'm always going to go for the biggest name I can. And all they have to do is say no. So I wouldn't be shocked. You, you mentioned Dabo Sweeney. I wouldn't be shocked if he at least reaches out to the agents of Lincoln Riley, of Ryan Day, of all those people and says, okay, just tell me no. And I'll leave you alone. But tell me no. Yeah, I think you're right, especially on the Lincoln Riley one. I mean, Lincoln Riley's going to be in the SEC one way or the other anyway. So, um, yeah, I, that wouldn't shock me either. I mean, I think the you know if there's a downside to it, it's like okay, if you end up, let's say, and this is a, this is a person I wrote a little bit about in my search story for LSU. Let's say they end up hiring Billy Napier. I mean, I don't think they're going to hire a coach out of the Sun Belt. He's done a really good job. You and I both think really highly of him. It doesn't kind of line up with what you just said about Scott Woodward and what we know to be about Scott Woodward now. Um, I think the one the one downside potentially is, and I don't know how, like, I don't think this matters a ton. I'm not even sure if it matters at all. But it's like the perception of, oh, you tried eight hires. Like, like at Tennessee, when Tennessee whiffed, like, you know, swung at the pinata like 19 times or however many times it was before they ended up hiring Jeremy Pruitt. Like, you know, that, that stings. You know, I don't know if, like, if LSU people care. I give, you know, you can't, whenever you hear about how Pete Carroll worked out at USC, invariably people bring up he was the fifth choice. You know, it doesn't matter. I mean, it worked. It's just, you know, like, I don't, I think when you take those swings, I think people are going to go, well, okay. Who did you end up with? Did you, you know, you ended up with Billy Napier or you ended up with, you know, whoever. I think it matters. I think honestly, I think that matters, would matter in the USC search more than it will matter at LSU. But, you know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that. 
I think there may be some people that we're just not thinking about with with LSU especially that that may come out of the woodwork because it is a place where the last three coaches have won the national title. Two of those you would not consider the greatest tacticians in the world. No, it's I mean it's a it's a fair point. I mean, look, we we worked on something as a staff a month ago about what what do coaches think are the best jobs in the country and LSU was a top five job and my biggest argument to that or point the supporting point to it was the last three coaches have been there won national titles you can't say that anyplace else you know you can talk about the resources of Texas A&M or whatever Texas has or even USC you can't say it about about you you can't you know the the goal is to win national titles I mean, LSU is the one that checks that box. Not even Alabama checks that that box. I mean, it's been Nick's, Nick Saban's made it a great job. It's a really good job, obviously. But, you know, Mike Shula, it's, I think it depends on kind of who the coach is. I just feel like at LSU, your margin for error is probably bigger because of the talent pool that you have, the way the place is set up. Now, the flip side is they just fired a coach who is, is – basically 21 months, a year and a half, season and a half removed from winning a national title. And they fired him. And that's the guy who's like, they say is one of their own. I mean, that's, you know, that's the bar there. Yeah. It's, it's very cutthroat. You have to go in there with confidence. Now I, I, I'm wondering, cause I was thinking about this today. There's some names that, that have not come up in any of these, these conversations that I, I wonder if anybody would think about like, here, here's a name for you, Bruce. This is a guy who has won in every stop he's made as a head coach. He's proven himself as a program builder everywhere he's gone. He has one sort of strike against his record, which was one season as an offensive coordinator at a Power 5 school that didn't go well, but it was mostly because he walked into a situation that was already on the decline. And that is Dave Clawson. He is currently undefeated. Dave Clawson at Wake Forest. I, and and look, I, I, I have heard that Dave would prefer to be at an academically elite type school. So, you know, like a Michigan or a Virginia, that, that type Stanford, those types of schools would, would be the kind he might be willing to move for. But he wanted Bowling Green too. Why couldn't he win anywhere? He probably could. Here's the thing. I, I like, I remember when Florida state came open, he was a guy that would have made, seemed to be like somebody they should have looked at from everything I had heard. He was like, you know, I'm good with the situation I have. And well, perhaps, perhaps that's because he knew a little about Florida state's situation being in the division with them. Maybe so. But I mean, like, look, I mean, and if it's, if it's LSU, I mean, you're, you're kind of in a different place. You know, it's like, you better win a national title there. I mean, the pressure at Wake Forest is not the same as that. I just think that the the way the place is set up isn't that way. So, you know, the other thing that could be a little a little tricky with the LSU opening is, you know, and I heard this from like an in- industry source on the on the search side was made the case of, you know, I think whoever looks at it is going to have to be very cautious just in regard to. You know, the Will Wade stuff on the basketball side, there's some things that are still unresolved with LSU, you know? And, and so, I mean, how much does that concern anybody? Who knows how the NCAA is going to be handling, handing down punishments of anything like this? I, I the say, is, he, 
is the NCAA going to be in charge of college football in five years? It, it, there's there's a lot of open questions that that all these coaches have to consider as they consider hopping jobs. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. That gives us a point where we can kind of break off here into a different discussion, Bruce, because I have a feeling this is going to be a very active coaching carousel. So I wanted to, to talk to you about jobs that, that aren't open yet, but but could be open, because it, it seems like there could be some some pretty good jobs, some of them easier than others, but a lot of them that could pay very well that are going to draw a ton of interest. And the the one I, I'm thinking about right now, I had thought this guy had kind of coached his way back to safety. And then this past weekend, now I'm not so sure, but Scott Frost in Nebraska. I mean, if let's say they lose to Purdue, at what point do you pull the ripcord on that? That is, you know, like I'm with you on that. Cause I remember I do that like little temperature check uh, story about coaches who are on the hot seat or some version of the hot seat. And I, I wrote about it early last week. And I remember like he was mentioned in there. I, you know, in my comments on it or analysis on it was, I think he's pretty safe. I know the leadership there wants to keep him. They want it to work out. Um, but you looked at the schedule and you kind of knew they still haven't won anything. You know, it's like they played, you know, some better teams tough. They should have probably beat Michigan State, but, you know, they could have beat Michigan, but they didn't, you know, and it was like, keep finding, I don't even know if it's keep finding a new way to lose. It's just keep losing, you know, you know, like something that feels kind of similar. And, you know, on top of it, it's like, you know, this is a team that's really limited offensively, and, and yet they have a really dynamic quarterback who's turned. You know, is a good player and will carry the offense. You know, is is Adrian Martinez going to be? You know, what would they be like without him? They would be. You know, they might be the worst team in the in the in the Big Ten or close to it. So the point of that was, okay, well, what happens if they if they really stumble because they got they got Wisconsin, who's not having a great year, but still like not like Wisconsin's a gimme. They have Ohio State where they're going to probably be outgunned in a big way. And they have, they have Iowa who's playing really well. It's not to say that they couldn't pull an upset there, but it was like they're not going to be favored. And then you had Minnesota and I think Purdue. Minnesota's playing with their third string running back. Minnesota lost to Bowling Green, who is, a, who is terrible. And they were like a 31-point favorite. Can't lose to Minnesota. Well, you know what happened? They did. They lost to Minnesota. And... I think he is one more clunker away from people going, you know what, this is just not working out. 
And for all the people who are like, no, he's safe. You don't need to. Well, it's like, you're assuming he's going to win these 50, 50 games. And he didn't. I mean, he was like, you know, this is not a great Minnesota team. Like I said, they were down to their third string tailback and they lost. So I think, you know, short of either them upsetting Iowa or one more stumble in a game that they, that's a 50, 50 game. I think that job could come over. Here's another thought. And this is a job that when you talk to coaches, especially coaches who've worked in that area, they love this job and and probably because of the iconic coach who kind of made it into what it is. But Virginia Tech seems awfully likely to to open at the rate they're going. Yeah, I mean, there's a definitely a path where he can get to eight and four, but Justin Fuente, he almost got fired last year. And I think the challenge for that, and I agree with you about a lot of people look at that as a not as so much a, a sleeping giant, but as a very good job. It's a good place to live. You know, it's like there's support there. And yet it's just, I don't know. You know, I heard from somebody who worked in the football program, Antonio Morales, and I did that story about like kind of how USC lost its way after Clay Elton got fired. And there was a bunch of, you know, different things that was talked about in that story of, you know, why Clay Helton really struggled. And this person made the point, it was like, I felt like you you were writing about about Virginia Tech because there was so much overlap to to the issues that that we have, and I didn't really think about it in that context until it was kind of like we got into a further conversation. But I I agree with you. I think that this one is like it could go either way, and I'm not sure you know Virginia Tech. I'm not sure the ACC is honestly right now good enough for for him to do anything where people are going to go, yeah, he shouldn't be on the hot seat. Because he had, you know, he did well at Memphis, had a good start there, and then all of a sudden, it just feels like it's been a lot of two steps forward, two steps back. And I don't know if he can afford that at this point. Yeah, and they looked lifeless against against Pitt, which I mean, look, Pitt's really good this year, but it shouldn't be like you shouldn't look like that at Lane Stadium if you're Virginia Tech against an ACC opponent. It, it should not look like that. And they've got Syracuse coming into Lane Stadium. Syracuse has been frisky this year. I realize, you know, they lost to Clemson. They lost in overtime to Wake Forest. But they've been competitive in those games. And if you can be competitive against those teams this year, then you can beat Virginia Tech. I like that. I have not heard the word frisky used in any podcast on the Audible yet. So, um, very The frisky orange, yes. <laughs> Good for you, Andy. Breaking out a new one. Um, yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's there. I mean, you obviously have like issues. Miami is is in the same, not the same boat, but they're in a boat that's like that, where they have a big buyout for Manny Diaz. There's a lot of frustration. The fan base is already over him. Um, there could be there could be a bunch of shakeup going on there. For all we know, um, you know, there could be like three or four openings in the ACC, and that's. You know, it's it, you know, you mentioned Pitt. Like I remember, Stu, my you know, our colleague, in the athletic was like, we got a question early in the season into our mailbag. It might have been, it might have been right after they lost to Western Michigan. So Western Michigan, and yeah, and he, you know, it was like about, you know, he's had a long time there. Why isn't I working? And Pat and uh, Stu was like, kind of agreed, and. You know, right now, I don't, I mean, Pat Narduzzi has done a really good job there, especially this year, and they're playing well. He's got a good quarterback. He's got a good D-line. 
And that's like one of the few places where I feel like there's a hot seat situation that has been cooled a lot. I think, you know, Mike Norvell's has two, I think, at Florida State, but it's just um, some of these other things seem like they've gone in the other direction. Well, let's let's talk about your alma mater since we're since we're talking about ACC jobs, because Miami was very competitive against North Carolina. They were in that game. They had a chance to to come back and, and either tie or win it. They didn't, but they didn't quit. And I think you you'd written this earlier this year, and that's the same thing I'd heard that as long as the team didn't quit on Manny Diaz, they weren't going to just completely dismiss the whole thing. But the schedule does them no favors. They've got NC State this week. They've got Pitt the following week. And then you've got improved Georgia Tech and improved Florida State. Florida State is getting better every week. So at some point in this stretch, that that may be it. Yeah, I think that to me, none of those games are going to be enough. It's like what I said about uh, Fuente. None of these teams are going to be good enough where you win that game and it's going to ever feel like a big game right now. But, you know, if they go two and two, I don't, you know, like, and that's very, you know, that's, that's not, I don't want to say that's overly optimistic, but that's like, you know, it's not like those are great teams they're playing. Right. You know? So, I mean, short of them going three and one or better, I don't feel like there's going to be a lot of confidence that, that Miami is going to say, all right, are we going to be able to find the money to make a coaching change? You know, I think it's like it hurts Manny Diaz that took over the defense and they've gotten worse on that side of the ball. People know they have all sorts of injuries, but at the same time, it's like, eh, you guys should be better than this now. There's, I don't think there was enough capital built up for him. You know, like last year went reasonably well after a really rough you know, debut season. But now it's like, eh, I think, you know, yes, they're playing competitive, they're playing hard. I just think people around there are like, they're frustrated because I think they just like, you know, okay, the players having to wait, but why are, why is this program not better than it is right now? Yeah. And I think that's the thing. When you look at what they have around them now, look, they're not, they're not the richest program in the ACC. They're, 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 I think people understand now that they financially, they don't necessarily compete with the Clemsons of the world, but it's hard to ignore how many players are nearby. And and just how how many good players that you could possibly get and have on the team that want to be Hurricanes that you know you could win with and and so I think there's always going to be a thought that that next guy can, can it will finally unlock it and I don't know I mean it's it's been a lot of guys at this point it has been you know and they've tried a lot of different things Randy Shannon was the homegrown guy who knew the program and he couldn't get the offensive coordinator part figured out he went through I mean you're talking about like you know he might ended up with the 10th choice to be his offense coordinator beginning of his run then I went to Al Golden who was seen as like the hot group of five guy I mean calling it the five back then and he kind of recruited he did some good things but still recruited a little like he was at a mid-major you know you had Mark Rick come in he he did some really good things program-wise he couldn't he didn't get it going on offense and you know, Manny came in and I don't know, we'll see. It's like he's learning on the fly and I don't think he's shown enough for this time at a place where they are not patient. It was a very front runner vibe and it's even still it's like national championship or bust. I don't know, you know, like 
I don't know what their options are money wise to say, okay, we're going to have a hire that gets people really excited short of, let's say the rock says, you know what? I'm going to bring Mario Cristobal back. I know it's going to cost him gonna, 9 million to, the, the, to get the, out of there. Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne Johnson, head football coach at the university of Miami. Yeah, maybe uh, I'll endow it. I mean, I don't want, you know, it's easy for somebody else to talk about spending somebody else's money. But like, I don't know, you know, which direction they go to say we have the money for this. Like, if you told me that of, of the jobs that are open or the jobs that will be open, let's say hypothetically Miami's one of them along with USC and LSU, I could actually see them talking to Lane Kiffin and Lane Kiffin thinking hard about it because he knows Now, he knows how the potential of the Miami football job. And I could see there being intrigue. Obviously, he coached in Boca, so he knows South Florida. Ole Miss can pay him more under almost any circumstances. It can, but you know what? Like, there's even more players in South Florida at Miami. There is a luster to that program. And again, you're not in the SEC West. You You know, he knows what it's like to be in in the dominant, you know, program in a conference when he was at USC, it was definitely that way. And I'm not saying Miami is that way now, but Miami could be that way. And again, I just like just looking at, you know, the, the, the issue. And I think in the case of Miami AD Blake James, you know, there's definitely pressure on him too is, and then what? Meaning like, okay, you're, you fire, you're firing the head coach and you're ripping a bandaid off. It's going to be painful to rip off financially and then what are you going to do and I, I think unless you have a real plan um you know that's problematic especially at a place like miami where you know you better have a plan to or resources lined up to make that kind of move yeah it can't just be we're mad and and then go get somebody you you have to know who you who you're targeting before you make a move you're exactly right another one in the acc that that's not talked about but it, it certainly seems like we're on the verge of it but is David Cutcliffe ready to retire at this point? You know, that's one I, I've heard, you know, some rumblings about. You know, the people I talked to around that program have said they haven't really heard anything that way. But it definitely seems like there has been frustration. I mean, I think they're they're headed to maybe a two or three win season. I don't know how much longer he want he would want to stay on at that at that way. You know, and I don't know. You know, he's he did a really good job there, but it just feels like. You know, there's been a little air coming out of the balloon over time. And, you know, we'll see if we'll see if how much longer he wants to stick it through. Yeah, because I, I think that's going to be up to him. I think I actually think this should be written into the uh, the Constitution or I don't know, whatever, whatever their bylaws are at Duke University. Uh, if the football coach wins a division title, he can stay as long as he wants. So it's it's really should be up to David Cutcliffe to decide what he wants to do because he won the Coastal at Duke. And so it's a free pass for life. He just needs, it's like being a Supreme court justice at that point. You just, it's when you wanted it, when you want to go. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. You see this, a family watching baseball on direct TV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on direct TV makes up for your mother, not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. Direct TV has the most MLB games. Visit directtv.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher availability of rsn's varies by zip code and package high-speed internet service required terms and restrictions apply 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to take you out west, Bruce, for, for a job that at, at the beginning of the season, I didn't think there would be any issue with it. I thought the guy was, was on the right track. Everything was fine. But now that we've gotten into the meat of the Pac-12 season, I'm not so sure. Is Chip Kelly still okay at Oregon? Or, I'm sorry, at UCLA. Yeah, I I think he is. Um, now, the, in this regard, he's somewhat at Ogeron. He's working for an AD who didn't hire him. So there's always challenges with that. Uh, you know, I think that they were, they were the fans kind of started to buy in, got really excited after the LSU win. And then, you know, obviously they'd blown out a bad Hawaii team to start out 2-0. But then... You, they lose against Fresno State and people are like, okay, that's kind of a one. You know, it felt like, all right, we're, we're still in this. And then the way they played against Arizona State, I think, was real disappointing. Now, they've had – they've bounced back. Um, you know, they have a big game this weekend with Oregon coming in. That's obviously his old school. Um, you know, I, I think win or lose, I think that people still there feel like they're on the right track. But – yeah, I don't think anybody's expecting them to beat Oregon, but then they go they go to Salt Lake City after that. You, we saw Utah thrash Arizona State last week, which I think probably says more about Arizona State than than Utah at this point. But you know, it, it just it's it's interesting to think that we were sure UCLA was over the hump, and now I'm just not sure that's that's the case. No, I'm with you. I mean, I think they're I think they're good. I don't think they're great, and. You know, we'll see what they do against Oregon because I feel like some of the confidence in the Ducks certainly has has kind of evaporated too. Um, I, you know, I, I think one of the things that's the run, run UCLA's run game is legit. Their offensive line is good. Their backs are good. I think the thing that has kind of kind of resurfaced was issues with the defense. It's not as much of a panic mode as it was in the first two years of Kelly's tenure there. But I do think some other things have kind of uh, they looked they looked they looked good against LSU um, relative to the expectations. Uh, but now I think it's like okay, are they are they good enough to be a top twenty five team? Because I think people around here they would be I think they would be happy with eight and four. I think they would love to see them go you know better than that nine and three or even you know if they can get to ten and two. But if it's like they sputter down the stretch, I still think he'll be he'll be fine this year. But I don't think I, I just think at 
right now, it's like they're still figuring out how good are we. And I think Oregon this weekend will will tell a lot about that. Another coach in the in the Pac-12 South who maybe or maybe not in terms of over the hump, uh, it, it looked like they were, and then they went to Salt Lake City, and, and then it looked like they weren't. But with Herm Edwards at Arizona State, there, there's a there's this other part of it, and that's the NCAA piece of it. And it's sort of like we talked about. You mentioned you know the ancillary stuff with LSU, which isn't necessarily related to the football program, but it is directly related to the football program at Arizona State. But we have no idea what the NCAA, how much they're going to punish anybody, what the role is at this point. But it sounds like they have a lot on Arizona State. Do you think this job opens regardless of how well they do the rest of the season? I they don't want to they don't want to do anything to get rid of Herm Edwards, and I don't think they want to do anything to get rid of you know the de facto head coach there, Antonio Pierce, who's you know by our reporting from the Athletic. Both guys are implicated, but especially Antonio Pierce is directly involved in, in this scandal. Uh, you know, I, I from the way somebody put it to me was there's there's a vibe of whistling by the graveyard with Arizona State, right? Like, you know, they know that there's a bunch of people, former coaches, former staffers, who probably would be would be excited to talk to the NCA about what they think has gone on and what is what some of the allegations are. You know, as you said it, and you know this is better, even better than me, it's like the NCAA system of justice is it was always on shaky ground, but now it's like, I don't even know if their legs underneath it. So, you know, Arizona State might be able to just, you know, kind of power walk its way through this and keep yeah, her, you know. If I'm Ray Anderson, I'm like, okay, make me fire him. I, I like what he's doing. I'm going to keep him. Because if, if they can't make him do it, why should he do it? No, and we've seen, look, we've seen coaches coach with, with show causes. You know, in the town you live in right now, Dan Mullen has, a, you know, has a show cause. It's like, and I think, honestly, I, from my read on it and from what I've, I know about the Arizona State case, um, this seems like there's more there there than, than the show cause Mullen got. But at the same point, it's like, unless you're trying to get a job, if you already got it, um, you can you can make it through it if as long as you keep winning. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that, and I I think we're going to see more and more of that where the the school just says, "Look, we don't care." Like, unless you give us a a real reason where we have to fire him, where you make it impossible for him to stay employed, we're going to keep him. And so I think for Herm, just keep winning, and and that's that's not going to be an issue. But uh, you know, again, the the use the Utah thing gave me pause because they, they look so good against Stanford and then they look so bad in that second half against Utah. And so I, I think that's, that's probably kind of par for the course among the PAC 12 South teams, Bruce, that just seems to be how everybody is. But yeah, it, it, as long as he's reasonably successful, if I'm the AD Ray Anderson, I'm like, Hey, you give me a reason to fire him. Otherwise I'm not. I think that's a that is a very accurate description. I, I would totally agree. I would totally co-sign that. So, are there any other jobs that we have not talked about that that are a threat to open at this point? Sizable Power Five ones. Um, Any, anything. 
you know, I, not unless it comes dominoes wise, you know, like in terms of James Franklin leaves and all of a sudden that, cre- right. You know, the, the backfill becomes openings. very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I don't doubt that Texas tech could open. There's definitely pressure uh, there on Matt Wells. I could see, you know, a place like North Texas where Seth, Seth Luttrell, who did really well now is struggling. And I could see a place like that opening up. Um, but in terms of like, you know, main, you know, major jobs, I think Texas tech of the, of the ones we didn't talk about is probably the one that's, that is more likely to come open than, than, than the rest, I would say. So Bruce, we talked about the jobs that, that may come open. Let's talk about some of the people who may be one of our listeners' favorite teams, next head coach. You know, the, the names that are out here, Billy Napier, Jamie Chadwell, uh, Jay Norvell, and these are all for different jobs. But who are some of the guys that, that maybe folks don't know about who, who maybe only follow the big brands who could be coming to a big brand soon? Uh, you know, you mentioned Jay Norvell. I think he is a ideal candidate for what's where Washington state is going to be. He's spent a lot of time in the PAC 12. He's a very solid, like buttoned up guy in terms of, you know, they, if they're looking for stability, especially after what they've just you know been dealing with, I think he makes a lot of sense. I think Kalen DeBoer at Fresno state on the West coast, a lot of people, but you know, buzz about him, think he's a really good coach. He won three national titles as an NAIA coach. And then he, he impressed a lot of people in the, in the Big Ten when he was an offensive coordinator in Indiana. I think he is a guy who, before too long, is going to be a Power Five head coach uh, on that side of it. I think then you start getting to, you know, we talked a little bit about Billy Napier. I think Billy Napier has had opportunities to, to uh, you know, at, at, at big jobs and is, knows he has a pretty good situation at, at Louisiana Lafayette and has stayed. You know, he's not saying, no, if LSU comes after him. Um, you know, like he's, you know, Jamie Chadwell, you and I both think the world of him. I think he's a guy who's had really good, uh, you know, run at coastal Carolina. I know his family really likes it there. You know, you still wonder like, did somebody make a mistake by not trying to hire him last cycle? But I think he's another one who, who, uh, you know, ADs, ADs think a lot of, I think. Well, and, and he runs, he runs an offense that can close a talent gap or that can then that can make a program better quickly because it's very hard to defend and you put him in a place where he has better athletes. It's a similar situation to a lot. Like when urban Meyer went from Utah to Florida, everybody's like, Oh, that offense isn't going to work in the sec and and never thought about, Oh wait, it'll have Florida athletes running it. And then that might be, that might be different. And that's, that's the part like you put Jamie Chadwell running that offense at Miami or at Virginia Tech, it's going to be real hard to stop. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, there's a, there's a lot of substance there with him. Um, I, I think really highly of him. I think that it's only a matter of time before he, he gets a big opportunity and a, big, a bigger stage. I don't, know, I don't know what that job is, you know, where it's like, you know, Virginia Tech, man, I would think that would be a really good fit and open. Um, but, you know, who knows? I mean, to me, those are the ones that that really I feel like in terms of sitting head coaches are the guys that I could see people yeah. going, you know, like we got to consider that guy. Jay Norvell is an interesting one for me. And you mentioned him potentially at Washington State. So he's been doing a great job at Nevada. He's developed Carson Strong, who, who 
the draft next we'll be talking about a ton as you know potential QB one in the draft. But Jay Norvell is one of those. I, I kind of wonder: is he a better head coach than he was in OC? He might be. Like, there's definitely guys who fit in that category when they get the opportunity. They really flourish. I think he is. He seems to be proving that, and that's not an easy job to be at. I mean, yeah, I think he's done really, really well. And you know, he last year his buyout was such where I don't think he he really was a real candidate at Arizona. Um, but I think now the situation is, especially with some of these jobs, I think there's there's a real chance. I mean, to me, if you're if you're Washington State and you want, you're looking at sitting head coaches, I think it's hard for the, it would be hard for them to find two better options than than Jay Norvell and Kalen DeBoer, you know, who are in the Mountain West on the West Coast. I got one for Pat Chun. I got one for Pat Chun, and I know everybody's saying, "Well, if you're going to go to the Oregon staff, to take Joe Moorhead," and I, I'm 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 with you. I think Joe Moorhead would be a good choice because I think he got a raw deal at Mississippi State. I think Dan Mullen kind of spoiled them into thinking that winning was easy there. And they've since found out that's not the case. But so so Joe Moorhead, also another good candidate for, for Washington State, but also on Oregon staffed, Joe Salavea spent five seasons in Pullman as the D-line coach. Players love playing for this guy. He would recruit like a madman. Now, he, it would be up to him to hire a really good staff, and he'd have to hire good play callers. But... He would put he would stock that roster with really good big dudes. Yeah, I mean, look, honestly, he's the he'd be the fourth guy on Cristobal staff who has ties to Washington State. Who you could say, ah, that guy probably would do would have a decent shot of being a good head coach. I mean, Jim Mastro's the run game coordinator. He spent his whole yep. career on the West Coast. He's recruited really well. Ken Wilson. He's a co-defensive coordinator. He's a guy a lot of people have looked at and, and, you know, just don't know how badly does he want to be a head coach. But again, these are guys who have, who have leech connections. Now, Moorhead doesn't, but I think, I, I think Moorhead, you know, Pitt's not going to open anytime soon. I know that's probably kind of a dream job for him because he grew up there. But, you know, anybody who's been paying attention knows how good of, a, how good of an offensive mind he is. Well, and that RPO heavy offense gives you a lot of a, a lot of options in terms of, you know, if you have a year where your receivers are really good, then then you can do a lot with them. If you have a year where your backs are better and your lines better, then you can run the ball more. You know, he can be a lot of things offensively, and I think that that helps at a place like Washington State, where you can't necessarily get guarantee that you're going to have exactly what you want every year. You need to be able to kind of mold what you do around it, which. Joe Moorhead, former Fordham head coach, has been there before. <laughs> he would understand that. Yeah, and he's also an underrated recruiter. You talk to guys who coach with him, they, they really speak highly of how he is as a recruiter. So, I mean, I think he, I, I think if, you know, he'd be a guy wherever he ends up in his next move. And I think he will be cautious just how good the fit is in the situation. I think he will, I think he would be a really good hire because of how good he has proven to be as a play caller and game planner. All right, Bruce, we have probably blown everyone's minds with the number of, of potential job openings and, and potential new head coaches. Uh, we got to let everybody marinate on this for a little bit, but I, I guarantee you this is going to get very wild here in the next month or so. I, I know you're going to be all over it for The Athletic. If you're not already subscribing to The Athletic to read everything Bruce has to write about the coaching carousel, 
what are you doing? Now's your chance. Do it now. Come on board. Join the club because there's nobody better than this guy. Bruce Feldman, thank you so much. Always a pleasure, Andy. Andy.